Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach, and today we have a Louisiana native, Avery Thibodeau. Avery's the interim head coach at UNO and has been with the program since 2021. Avery, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's great to great to be here. You know, I hate to see you guys all the time, but happy to finally get on the podcast. Yeah, I think you touched on uh, everybody's favorite part, right? The fall competition and the opportunity to play the University of New Orleans. I think all four fall competitions this year is very exciting. So, uh, no, it's it's great to obviously get to run into your friends with regularity. And, and you and Michael came down to Southeastern for a fun one. So um, I think the, the number one thing is people are going to read your name. And Michael luckily just said it there. But Thibodeau, that's a very Louisiana last name. So you must be from the area, right, from Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah. What was it like growing up here and seeing beach volleyball grow uh, as a, a sport in Louisiana specifically? Uh, I mean, beach volleyball, yeah, like Baton Rouge, obviously where I'm from, born and raised, kind of moved around all around town, but never really lived anywhere further than like 15 minutes from campus at LSU. Um, so like growing up, uh, Mango's uh, beach volleyball in Baton Rouge is like very big. Um, they've been there uh, since the 90s. Um, so over time, as you're a tall person, you know, people kind of ask you like, hey, you want to come like sub for my team out here? Like we need some help. So I just kind of got invited out there a few times and like just kind of fell in love with the beach atmosphere. And um, honestly, I've been to a bunch of different like beach volleyball, like clubs and places all over the country. But Mango's, I think is just one of the best. Like they have a great setup out there. Um, they run leagues really well. Um, like every court, every single night of the week is completely packed up um, versus some other places. Maybe it's not like that all the time. Um, and just everybody out there knows everybody. You, you kind of keep moving around. The volleyball is always competitive. And I mean, with how they have it there is they kind of have like levels where you can kind of slowly move your way up. And that's kind of how I moved my way up in the sport was like, as I kind of played and got better, like just kind of kept getting invited to play with more people, got to meet more people kind of in the beach space. Um, that kind of led me to meeting some people like when the LSU beach team started practicing out there when they started their program. Um, and then as a student at LSU, I was like, hey, I want to get involved in this. Um, so whenever they made the split of their two programs where they went fully with like a beach staff when Russell got hired, um, that's when I came on as a student manager and said, I've been in the beach volleyball world ever since and not look back. Yeah. So when, when you first got there and started that or helped start the program at LSU, right. What were things like, uh, it was just Russell and Drew, if I'm not mistaken, did one of the indoor assistants come out and help out? Yeah. So it was Russell and Drew, uh, and then Trey Cruz got hired, um, over from, he was at UL Lafayette at the time. Um, so Trey was there for two years while I was there. Um, and then he moved back to indoor. Um, he had been like an indoor GA and then it come in to like help with the beach team. So yeah, it was Drew, Russell and Trey for my time there. Yeah. And what was that experience like kind of seeing the beginnings of what is one of the more successful beach volleyball programs in the country? Um, I mean, honestly, like I was just kind of taking everything in that I was there. Um, people kind of asked me like, Oh, what did you like do? And I was like, I did everything. Like I wanted to be a part of everything at practice, like sit in with the coaches, like while they were going over practice plans, um, kind of asking them like why they did stuff. I'd stay after practice and just kind of hit around out there with the coaches. Um, like I said, they were just like a super like fun vibe. And that's where I kind of like knew I was like, yeah, the beach volleyball world's like where I want to end up. Um, just cause like how the coaches are like the environment and like, yeah, they built a really great program off of kind of that same mentality, like where the girls just enjoyed coming to practice every day. And I've tried to like, take that into my own coaching where I just want my girls to enjoy coming to practice every day. Cause if you're having fun out there, then it doesn't seem like work. 
Um, and it's not work for me. It's not work for them. And it's just, it's a fun environment while everybody's getting better. Um, so yeah, it was really awesome. Like just getting to, getting to see like the behind the scenes of like a big program like that as it kind of sprouted. Um, they had done well, like I was one of the programs that had kind of started up, but most of their players were like indoor players. Um, and they only had like a handful of beach girls. And like my first year there was when Kristen Nuss was a freshman. And then, so I kind of got to see her from this girl that had just kind of been like an indoor star and soccer star and basketball star now turning into this beach volleyball star, like almost overnight. Um, so like I said, getting to see her growth and like I said, now watching her, um, like on the road to the Olympics, um, like I played indoor club with her brother. So like, I always kind of knew about her and like, we always kind of joke with him, like, Hey, Paris, 2024, Paris, 2024, like everybody's got their tickets ready. But like, like seeing players like that, of that talent, just kind of like grow, like in that program just kind of showed me like, Oh, this is like what the sport's all about. And like how to make not just like a team better and like make it work, but like how players are going to get better over time. Yeah, that's super special to be able to see some of those athletes come up in, in an area where, you know, they they are, have always been athletic stars, but now they're finding their, their passion like Kristen and being able to just show her athleticism all over the court now worldwide and hopefully competing in the Olympics and competing for America. But you're also coaching with some really, really great coaches too. And at that point, it, when you were at LSU, you were doing statistical uh, analysis and video and stuff for them. Am, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So I was all like video. I was slaving away hours, like kind of just in the, in the locker room, just like making sure hours and stuff. Thankfully the locker room was in the, the PMAC. So I'd go out and shoot some basketball, like while videos were uploading and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of just like stats and stuff and like making sure film and um, everything was just like, perfectly organized for the coaches um and then that kind of like what well, was kind of like my foot into the door like with them to like in practice like hey we got all the stats from today like hey what were the percentages of these people so everybody could kind of get that feedback in the moment um especially like with statistics at practice like girls knew like after practice who was the most successful like first ball siding out that day who was the most successful like defensive transition um so yeah like those are just things that I kind of really wanted to take on those roles. So like that could kind of help me in the door a little bit more too, and like earn that trust of the coaches. Like, Hey, I, we can give Avery more and more responsibility. Um, and then like I said, that trust, they entrusted me like with like, you know, being able to sit in on those meetings, like while they're talking with like, obviously, Hey, how we're going to do pairs together, how we're going to do this. Um, so yeah, like that's what I was like. I never wanted them to think like, Oh, I'm just a student that's here and I'm going to go communicate this information to the girls. Like they knew like I was a part of that staff. I guess I was friends with the girls outside of, outside of the team or outside of practice, but like in practice, they knew like it was going to be a professional environment. And they could kind of trust me with that stuff. Yeah. And with Colin and I, like we, we both came up with data volley. Uh, you know, we're, we're now in the ball time community. Uh, but with, with stats and video stuff, what were you guys using back then? Because beach volleyball and their video and statistical analysis, it hasn't been very big for very long. And most of it is indoor converts um with huddle or um some data volley has been used but what were you guys using um so honestly it was all just kind of stuff we made up um so drew had like kind of had his drew has his ways about doing things i mean drew's like one of the best coaches out there i mean like he's coaching Kristen and taryn right now um but he was like hey this is like the numbers and stuff we want to see and kind of with russell with trey they kind of came up with like hey these are the percentages we want to see from our athletes every single day like whether it be signing out um, you know, first ball kills, like how many blocks they should be getting, all those things. Um, and I was kind of just like tracking those and I found a way to like, hey, how can I make a stat sheet that can show all of these things and like just have it done at practice? So um, I would be like sitting on a court, statting two courts at a time, 
Um, and like I said, right after practice, literally just counting up like, okay, this many first balls, okay, this many attempts, whatever. And then getting that information. I've always been a math guy. So um, yeah, it was kind of just our own system that we kind of came up with. It wasn't really like, oh, we're going to draw charts to like where people are hitting on the courts, like how just are efficient you being with the ball. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because like, I, I see some indoor programs now and like how they how they get their statistical analysis from volumetrics or anything like that, or they have their uh, iPads on the bench and it's a little tap to scout uh, iPad and they don't realize at the beginning of all this statistical analysis, like it was you coming up with your own system, usually some sort of Excel worksheet gets thrown into the mix and then you're kind of just building it slowly but surely until you come up with this master thing and then this new program comes out that makes it so much easier for everyone else but yeah, like I, I i just got so one of our indoor coaches had left at the time so there was just an open office like in the building i was like it's my chance to like sit in an office and do something so i was like boom in there on the computer Every day, like I said, I went full on with like the Excel spreadsheet, like put all the color coordination things in it. So like if a girl was going like below what the average percentage they wanted was, it would like show up red. And if it was like really bad, it'd be like a darker red, like a darker green if like they were way above. And like every day after practice, I was like inputting in, had all the formulas so the coaches could literally just pull it up. So if a girl was saying, hey, why am I not playing? Why am I this coach could pull up straight to the stat sheet? And like, hey, look, you're this person signing out this percentage. You're at this percentage. This is why maybe this person's playing. You're not. Yeah. And with those numbers, do you remember what were some really, really strong numbers that you guys were looking at every single day or what was determining playing styles? Is there anything that you've brought over to the UNO program now? Yeah, so a lot of it, I kind of take the same, like, I want to be signing out at, I want to be signing out at a 60% percentage. I want to be first ball signing out at at least a 40% percentage. Um, and then errors being at less than 20%. So basically out of 10 balls, you either need to get four first ball kills or six side outs when you're getting served and not make more than two errors on the first ball. Um, so whether that be like hitting the ball into the net, making a serve receive error, getting aced, um, like taking all those things in. Um, and then, but also like with those numbers, there's like counter set, okay, then on your defensive side, are you winning more points? Are you getting aces? Are you not missing all your serves? Um, so a lot of that kind of just like kept taking over time and like, just watching the game and seeing how like a game flowed and be like, Hey, how does this affect like this game percentage? Like, yeah, you may be missing a few more serves, but you're getting them out of system on every single ball that you're doing. Um, and now I've started like color coding it a little bit more. So like players get an individual like stat line, but did they earn the point when they got served or just did the other team make an error? Um, or did your partner like make the great play for you? So like, it really wasn't that you that did the job. Yes. You signed it out when you got served, but your partner kind of maybe did all the work. So, I've gotten like more specific into it, like with color coordination, like my four colored pin. Um, but like that way they can see like, yes, you, you won the point, but are you winning the point or is your partner winning the point or is you maybe the other team just not playing well? Yeah. The, we could talk about this all day and I, I could have a whole podcast just on stats. Cause this is what I live and breathe by. I love to see the stats, see how the game's working, what's changing. It just gives me a better picture, but I think some, something that's probably undervalued, uh, with you is you didn't just work with the beach volleyball team at LSU. You also worked with the softball team before you went to the beach volleyball team. What kind of stuff were you working with, with softball? Um, so that it was a lot more of just like day to day, just like getting practice set up. I mean, we have a bigger team, you have a million different positions versus like beach, you know, you just kind of have players on the court and it's that like indoor you're working with or with softball, you're working with outfielders, you're helping work with catchers up and do stuff with pitchers. Like they're doing base running defense, um, so a lot of it was just like 
just kind of seeing it. I honestly learned a lot from the coaches is like what I took the most from that. Um, like I'll never forget. We had a game. Um, some players had broken the team rule and like the coach had stuck to her guns and said, no, you're not dressing out. She took all the jerseys out of the lockers of even all Americans on the team um, and said like, you guys broke the team rule. So tonight only these 11 players are going to dress out. Um, and like just little things like that, that I kind of wanted to learn more, like in the coaching world. Um, and like I said, Beth was probably one of the best people. Like she stuck to her guns. She wasn't going to play favorites just because you were an all American or you had been, you know, we're going to break the strikeout record that year, whatever it may be. Um, like she didn't care. Like if you were going for a record batting average, she was like, no, these players like are abiding by my team rules. These are the people are going to play. Um, like I said, I've, I try to keep those things um, and like been very true to that. Cause I've kind of heard things from like other players, like in my time, like, Oh, past coaches we had before, like they didn't really hold us accountable. They didn't do this. Um, and, or like they played favorites to this person. Like a lot of that, I just kind of learned like being in the college world and like, she kind of has that family environment, um, like with her team, just like everybody else does. Um, but I mean, like she was a trooper. Like when I first got hired, she was pregnant with a child and they're like, Oh yeah, she's got a very, um, like accelerated, like plan to come back after and I was like, Oh, I was thinking, Oh, she's going to take a couple weeks, whatever. And this was like in the fall when we're in our off season and literally she, had the child on like a Thursday and then like was back at practice hitting ground balls on Monday. Cool, I was like, this yeah. woman, is super, yeah, I was like, this woman is Superman. And like her dedication and um, like even our director of ops, Quinn, like her hours, like she was literally recording every softball game that was going on everywhere in the country. That way, if we played anybody in the postseason, we had film on their pictures of like what they were doing. And like, that was the thing that like made me like when I got with beach volleyball and I got to kind of take over that film, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be so dedicated to this that like, we get every bit of film that we know we can get. Like then when we started going on the road um, at like conference tournament and stuff like, Hey, I'm staying while they're going back to the hotel I'm recording matches so I can bring matches back um, like for the athletes to watch and stuff um, like the next night. So yeah, like the kind of just dedication that I saw from the staff there was like stuff that like, I really wanted to like bring in and kind of add to like beach volleyball being a new like independent program when it started. Um, so yeah, like taking that, that role and just like being so bought in, um, is really what I wanted to take into it. Yeah. I think that's a super undervalued thing. Uh, I, I learned it kind of early in my career too, uh, with my coach at Penn state, Mark Pavlik. Um, he was very big on talking about other sports and talking with the other sports coaches. And I think one of the most memorable things was anytime he would go recruiting, um, Bill O'Brien, who was the head football coach at the time at Penn state, now the offensive coordinator at Alabama, um, he would go with Mark Pavlik to go recruiting and they would just talk about how similar the games are uh, with volley men's volleyball and football and like what kind of strategy they use for football, what kind of strategy we, we use for men's volleyball. And then when he would come back, he would explain all these terms and stuff volleyball wise, but using football analogies or his big sport was baseball. And so he loved to uh, compare baseball and volleyball. And I think I took an appreciation of that of when I get the chance to work with another sport and another coach, like there's something that's in their game that could be in our game. So I think your your view of seeing softball, being able to bring some of the coaching things, not just the, the cultural pieces, but different ways that they broke down the outfielders, catchers, pitchers, like that, that goes into beach volleyball too, because you're working pairs at a time sometimes. And so being able to understand how that works is awesome. But Moving on from LSU, when did you decide that you wanted to be a coach? Um, it's kind of just like what kind of came in college. Like my plan was always to maybe like be involved in sports and kind of do director of ops stuff. 
but everybody always told me growing up, like I'd coached middle school basketball. I'd coached um, just a bunch of different places. Like over time to like, Avery, you're going to make a great coach. You're going to make a great coach. And I was like, you know, I don't know if that's what I want to do. Like I want to be around college athletics, but I don't know if like coaching is like what I want to do. And so like once college ended, I was like, you know what, let me just take a shot. Um, and I got hired um, at a small college up in Kentucky and they're like, they took a shot and I was like, you know what, let me go all in on this. Um, like, so that's how I'd done everything in the past. So I was like, let me go all into this coaching and just kind of fell in love with it. Like, and when it's, it's even more gratifying now that like some of those players have like graduated already and like are getting jobs and like, I'm getting phone calls from like, they're now employers, like, because they put me down as a reference on their list and like getting to talk about them being great players. Um, it's like, man, I'm glad I really came into coaching because I made that impact on them that like I said they would put me down as a reference that like I said they still call me and text me all the time all my former players um and like I said getting into coaching right after college I was like let me just try it but I went all into it and haven't looked back yeah it was yeah Union College correct yes Union College and that experience right of, of getting to go somewhere you've never lived before right going up to Kentucky and and getting to coach uh, an indoor program right what did that Feel like what did you feel like the early challenges were uh and then maybe what was your mentality kind of bouncing out of those and moving forward uh well i mean the, the first biggest challenge like when i got in there was actually i got hired like mid-season so like they had just finished up non-conference play i'd gone and visited um on a wednesday and then the following wednesday i was hot, like hired and doing everything and then a day later i was loading up to go on a road trip so like i didn't even get time to like really like i was learning the players names like the week between when I went to go visit the school and like when I finally st first started, like I was on the website every day, like, Hey, let me memorize faces with names um, and just getting everything, like getting myself familiar, like with their team, what their positions were. Um, and just, so I kind of knew the team going to the first thing. So it was a little bit of kind of sitting back right at first when I got there to kind of just take in, okay, what's this team all about? What are we doing? Um, and they had not been having a great season up to that point uh, when I first got there and we actually finished the season I think 14 and five after that point that I got there. So I like to think that I helped a little bit of that turnaround, but a lot of it was me just trying not to change too much of what they did and just kind of shape the strategies or practice plans that the coach had had that into ways that like maybe made more sense to me that I thought made more sense to the players. Um, and like I said, didn't want to make any like drastic changes, just like kind of, Hey, what's a practice plan? Like, Oh, this is something you've done a practice drill before with something I've done. How do we kind of like mesh these two together and still get, you know, the same goal out of it. Yeah. And in, in my research, you can correct me if I'm wrong, with Union College, it was only like their second year playing an actual full schedule of games when you got there. They, they had played like 10 or so games for five or six years, then they played one really successful full-length 40-game season as they do in the NAIA, and then you got there and then you guys started building a little bit. Is that is that correct from your knowledge? No, so they, well, no, they had had, they had been a program for a while. Um, so we had like a mix of, it had, but the year before I got there, they basically lost like an entire senior class. Like that's the big thing with NAI, you kind of have JV teams and stuff. So they lost a senior class of like 11 girls plus two juniors that were going off to nursing school early. Um, so it was kind of just like a, it was almost basically like starting new, though, like where we had so many freshmen starting and stuff like that. But no, they had been a program um, for a couple of years. I mean, they've been a program since like the eighties, nineties. Okay, and as you as you're starting to build those, the that that program up, what what were the differences that you see from NCAA to NAIA? Uh, well, I mean, one is just kind of the 
unlimited recruiting calendar, which is kind of nice when you're kind of getting into it. You're not like having to kind of abide by a calendar or, you know, rules and stuff, which it's not like too selective on what we have, but like, you don't have to worry about like those calendar things. And it's just like, Hey, how do you get yourself out there with, you know, sending emails, talking to recruits, um, like just kind of being involved in person. Um, and it kind of is just like a way to kind of just get your feet wet into it, you know, like just kind of being able to do things a bunch of different times and try and fail and then, you know, hopefully succeed and getting some people, um, but like just getting able to try it a bunch. I think that's always a big thing, like getting into recruiting, um, like as someone that just went to LSU and like started, like I was never an athlete that got recruited. So I didn't know like what all what was going on in that process, like what people wanted to hear and all that. Um, so a lot of it was just like a lot of trial and error. And I think that was a big benefit to being an NAI with that. Um, and then also just like on the coaching side, like wanting to try a bunch of different things like NAI, we don't have, we have unlimited substitution. So like we were playing all different kinds of offenses. Like we ran an offense, we called it a six, three, um, but basically we ran three middles and three outsides kind of in two like triangle patterns. So every rotation, we either had two outsides or two middles in the front row and we could flip matchups whenever we wanted. Like we could flip our middles and right side, we could flip the pin hitters um, and just do a bunch of different things. And it kind of just helped me kind of just see the game in a bunch of different ways that like when I came back to beach, like, okay, Hey, how are some other ways that we can like score offensively and make things different? Like say when you just kind of flip two partners around. Yeah. Prison rules right there. Right. We used to joke NAI wild, wild west. Uh, obviously you can, if you can get a commit when they're a ninth grader, right. So it's fair game. There's no, there's no June 15th in the NAIA world. Um, yeah. But it seemed like you were having quite a bit of success up at Union, right? Yeah. And, and things were going pretty well. Uh, and then, right, you get a phone call. Yeah. It says, hey, hey do, you, do you want to come home? What is that conversation like? Were your bags packed by the time you got off the phone? Or, or did it take some time, right? Well, well, talk me through that process. Well, so crazy enough, I was actually – I had always worked at the summer camp um, – in Pennsylvania for like just kind of helping out. So I was just back there helping out for a week. Um, and while I'm up there, like I'm fully expecting like, hey, getting ready for indoor season, like starting to get everything ready. Cause it's maybe like two, I think this was uh, like July 20th about. Um, so like school year is about to start everything, like getting everything ready for preseason. So this is my last like little getaway uh, beforehand. And then I get an email and I'm like, oh, email from Amy, she wants a call. And so I was like, all right, I'm taking this phone call. And honestly it, maybe an hour phone call. And by the end of the phone call, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. So then the next day talked with uh, someone from admin just so they could kind of get to know me a little bit too. And I wanted a little bit more time to think about it. But by the time my plane landed back in Kentucky, I was like, it's time. Um, like I said, just getting back home for me, um, especially with like some people in my family getting a little bit older and stuff. Um, is that just the timing made sense. Like I've always wanted, I wanted to get back into beach volleyball. I kind of got my feet wet into coaching. Um, and I was like, Hey, this is the time. Like I've been here for three years. Um, I did a lot with our players and I mean, they, they were the hardest part of like what it was to like make that decision. It was like, man, I've like built so much with these players that like with so many that started as freshmen, they were about to be seniors. Um, but you know, we'd, we'd gone through so much, but even when I told them, they're like, Avery, you got to take it. And it's, that's what I did. Like, it wasn't same kind of thing. It just wasn't a, a long debate in my head. It was kind of just, okay, let me think about it, talk with family and everything. And, you know, just being back home in Louisiana, I was like, yeah, I'm taking it. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you get to come back home. Um, and you got to coach with Amy for a couple years. Amy being a ULM great, not to shout us out, but she she was one of the, the starters of our program here. And she did a lot of great things, one of our alumni. And what was it like working with her? And what what was that relationship like? 
Um, yeah, so when she first called me and she was telling me like, hey, the two programs are splitting, well, that's when like I had kind of applied when I just heard like the two programs are splitting. I was like, you know what, let me just apply, see what happens. And then when she was kind of telling me about it, I was like, yeah, this is kind of what I went through. Like when I first started LSU, like I know like what it's going to take to kind of get, you know, fully beach going um, and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I think I'd be the perfect person to kind of help you out in this process and everything. And like her and I honestly just like clicked, you know, pretty quick uh, as soon as I got here. Um, we're both huge fans of like the office. So like anytime that there's like something that we can quote the office or something at practice, like we're doing that. Um, we've got so many like inside jokes. Um, like I said, even now that she's like gone on to do other things, like her and I still talk probably once a week, like for like hour, hour and a half on the phone, just like kind of filling her in everything that's going on. Hey, how's life? Um, and stuff. Yeah, it was just really easy. And I think that's what made the transition and made our team so successful these last two years was just our girls felt that from the coaches, there was no like animosity between us, even if like maybe we didn't agree on something um, like whether it be lineup or practice plan, something like that. We kind of just like, we knew when to give and take with each other. And the girls never saw like any like physical struggles between us that like, Oh, this is what he wants to do. Or he's leaning this way. Like we always had a unified front when it came to the girls. Um, And like, I think, that's what made our team so successful is that there was never any doubt about what we were doing. Um, like if it was my, whether it was my practice drill or her practice drill, like both of us were fully bought into it. Um, and whenever I brought all my stat things over and stuff like that versus she's somebody that's more that just watches the game. She like embraced that. She was like, yeah, you want to be all stats. Like you be all stats. Like tell me what you want to do, what you want to be watching. What do you want to have? Like her practice drills, like what do you want their percentages to be? And she kind of let that fully be on me. Um, and so it was just one of those things that, her giving that animos- or that autonomy once we kind of uh, once we got together, um, I says just what made our friendship even better off the court um, because the, we never had any like stuff that was like oh I was mad at her from something she did at practice today like we just got to go hang out at the office or go you know get food or get coffee whatever. That's awesome and like just to finish out the timeline before we jump back into the UNO program here, what so this past summer Amy had to go back home to help out with family. Um, you get to step into the interim role. Talk about that situation. Talk about how that laid out for you. Yeah, um, yeah it was very unfortunate. Um, like Amy's father had passed away this past uh, May, very unexpectedly. So she wanted time to just be home with her family a little bit more. Um, and she didn't want the team to have to have a coach that couldn't be there all the time. Um, so she was like, she actually, when she decided to kind of step down, um, and I kind of known the whole summer, she didn't make an official decision until like August, but I kind of known where she was leaning the whole summer. Cause like I said, her and I talked all the time and I wanted her to know, I said, I got the girl. So I said, if you got to make a personal decision for you, don't worry about like having to make that decision. Like, I'm going to make sure the team's okay. Make sure the program keeps going in a great direction. Um, like I said, I'm not just going to leave. I said, even if, you know, my, the best job in the world offer me tomorrow. Like I'm going to stick, stick this out for at least this year, you know, until we can get all this kind of figured out and going. Um, and so that kind of helped her ease her mind, I think a little bit with that decision where she could take a little more time with her family. Um, and so, yeah, then once that kind of happened, it happened pretty quickly. Um, then administration brought me in and was like, Hey, we want to make you intern through the year. Um, and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm willing to take that task on. So now here we are. Very good. And now, now we we're, we're into the seasons. You you've kind of know your team because you've been around them for a couple of years. What kind of cool stories do you have? What 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 matches stand out in your mind from the previous two years that really represent what you want UNO to be known for? What like the girls coming off the court feeling flying high, like really really good excitement around the program. 
Um, I think my first year, I think the win over Tulane was probably the one that stuck out to me the most from that first season. Um, like Tulane had been kind of in and out of the rankings that year, but that was our first win over them, like in program history. And like being the two schools in New Orleans, like that's always like a kind of a rivalry kind of thing. But in all our other sports, the beach volleyball it had never really been one because Tulane had always won. So that was one where I kind of realized like, hey, our team, like we're competing with the big dogs now. Like we're we're not just like, oh, another one of those schools kind of just in the pack. Like, hey, we can be up there competing with them. So that's where I kind of like saw that that vision kind of starting to come up and then later that season, seeing our ones pair beat LSU at LSU under the lights. I was like, okay, like, so we've got, we've got kids that can go out there and beat teams that are ranked in, you know, selfishly enough for me, like winning at LSU is, it's fun as well. He said being back home. Um, and then the last one probably was last year at the conference tournament um, against HCU uh, on Saturday. It was one of those games where we had lost our fours and fives pair and, I know Amy probably won't want to say this, but like she was, she was nervous. She was like, I don't know. I don't know if we can do it. Like, I don't know. If, we know our pairs are good enough to win at the ones, twos and threes, but like the pressure of this in the conference tournament, like your season on the line, how, I don't know how our team's going to handle this. And I was like, Amy, I got a feeling we're going to do it. And by gosh, they did it. Like, so we came back and said, so that was just one of those ones where you never knew what was going on on any of the courts, especially where we were in Corpus, like all the courts were spaced out. So I had no idea what was going down in the threes because I was sticking with the ones. Um, and I was like, I can't leave them because we're winning. Things are going well. I was like, I don't want to leave them. And then them start losing this match. I was like, I hope the threes are going well. Amy was over on the twos court. Then I found out, okay, the threes won in two sets. Like they got it done quick. And I was like, wow, okay. So then it came down to our ones and twos and our ones had blown a lead in the second set. And we were kind of on the way to doing that in the third set again. And I was like, oh no. Uh, and then they went on to win it. And I was like, okay. So handed over to the twos court who had been like our rock solid, you know, all American pair all year. And to see them like now where it came down to them, because they had had some time this year where they would win, but the team still lost. So it was finally on them to be like, Hey, you guys are the ones that got to pull it out. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm not even going to coach this. Like I said, Amy's been here the whole match. Even if there's something I see that I can put in, it's like, I don't want to throw any change in the mojo of what they've been doing. Um, like I said, just kind of getting to see, everything from the outside in that moment, like I said, seeing the excitement of our girls, like everybody on our side, HCU side, just like momentum changing in the moment. Um, like so it was a huge thing to get us on the championship Sunday. So that's probably my three like big, big moments from being here at UNO so far. Yeah. And I mean, the team has been doing nothing but progressing upwards. What do you feel like has been the biggest uh, contributing factor right, to, to the success and to the, the growth that UNO's experienced over the last four or five years? I think it's all kind of been, I would say, naturally. So when I first got here, it was finally first year of, like, being full beach where the girls were getting training in the fall, or at least the majority of our girls, except for the few crossovers, but they were getting full, like, beach training year-round where it wasn't like, hey, you guys will practice, or, like, when Amy could have come out to help it practice in the fall, like, get some reps in, like, they were getting full reps all the time. So that way when – the season started, it wasn't like a shell shock to them, like in January. Um, and then the second year, well, that first year is when we had the huge hurricane. So we were actually out of school for like a month and a half. Um, so we did miss some time, but we still got full fall practice in that. Um, and then my second year, um, we finally got no hurricane and then a full fall, like full events, full everything. Like I said, with being beach only again. Um, and then this past year, um, we've had, we've got our brand new courts and facility now. So that's just made practice a lot easier versus having only two courts and having 12 people, you know, trying to 
be on two courts and having people have to sit out and stuff versus now with all our courts um, in our facility. Um, it's just, I think it's just been like getting girls more reps. And I know it just kind of sounds like cliche sometimes, but like just getting our girls where they just get to be on the court more like in that time of practice versus like, oh, we have to split people into two groups so they can get more reps. It's just not the same when your full team um, is there um, like all at one time. Yeah. And also, you mentioned a little bit earlier the Southland Conference Championship and the competitive nature of that tournament. Um, you have a couple other schools that are right in your area in the Southland, and then you have a couple of your Boise State and San Jose State that aren't quite normal Southland Conference members. How has it been competing in the Southland Conference? What what, what type of uh, what have you seen the progression of all the teams in the Southland Conference doing? I think it's been a lot of just kind of, it's been pulling from the top. I think um, like Corpus and HCU had kind of been very back and forth with each other at the top and that kind of like pulled us up and then pulled Southeastern up. Um, and I think even Nichols, like before all these other teams joined, like, like I said, we saw their level of play rising. Um, and then when we got Boise and San Jose State, then it kind of just added more teams to that. They kind of just, kind of kept just bringing the competition and pulling everybody up. Um, so I think it's made it when, in the past, like we had played some conference games, maybe that it didn't feel like the most competitive environment ever. Like you were having to go out there and have to win. Um, and I think with our formatting now, like our mid-season tournament, where it's like actual standings um, based off of that tournament results. And then like said, conference championship, um, it's like puts you in a really intense environment. So like when we get into those situations against teams like Tulane, um, you know, Georgia state, like with our girls at the Paris tournament, like being in those, moments against those really good teams you're not like shell shocked into it because now you're in those big moments you're in those big games um just like that moment with like hcu i think all of our girls like being we had been in that environment during the regular season like in our mid-conference tournament so when it got to that point in houston it wasn't like a shock for them like said so they had been in that environment of hey these southland games are going to be competitive you know everybody's going to give you everything all they got every single every single week yeah, I'll take a little credit for that, right? I think uh, Southeastern shocking New Orleans in the final regular season uh, match of the year, right? That had to had to kick the team into gear a little bit. So, Avery, happy to happy to pull that off for you at any yeah. point in the upcoming seasons, as well as if if you need uh, if you need a little little jolt, little shot yeah. in the arm, we'll uh, we'll be happy to provide that. It's all right. He uh, almost yeah. did the exact same thing to us. We played them twice down at your tournament that last weekend. And uh, both times, like, there there was a teeter-totter moment where it could have went either way. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot let Colin beat me. And yeah. luckily yeah. enough, it's we a common it phrase. It's yeah. a common phrase. You can't let Colin win. Um, <laughs> no, right, if you ever need us back down there. A conference mid-year coming up this year at New Orleans. Um, that's got to be exciting. Is this the first time that the, the conference event has been able to be hosted, especially at the new courts? Um, yeah. What has that process been like? Uh, how does that feel for the girls? Um, it's It's been a hectic process getting it all planned out. I mean, now we added McNeese this year. So like having eight teams um, and eight teams coming to one location to play is always going to be a lot. Um, thankfully, our facility is like built to ha handle an event like that. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot just wanting to make sure it goes right, because my biggest thing this entire time in con, you know, this from our calls is that I just want everybody to have the best chance to win conference. Like, I don't want any team to be at an advantage, disadvantage. Like, I just want a good tournament for everybody, everybody to have, you know, perfect accommodations out there, like, you know, trainers, everything um, where 
when we have our regular season champion, we have a true regular season champion that is truly the best team that's out there. Um, and that's what I've really been trying to work to do with a lot of the planning for this, just how do we make things where it can just be the most fair for everyone or equitable, um, but also, you know, not trying to change too much from like what we usually do for a normal tournament because you still want to make it easy on like our event staff and everything um because with beach volleyball being a new sport and this being the first time we've ho hosted so many teams like it's going to be a shock for all of those people as well too like seeing this many people out there seeing this environment it's really good for our school and really good for our sport to get that exposure um but there is a lot that you know goes into it yeah it's got to be really i mean I'm, I'm excited to to be a part of it right because we do we're one of two conferences that uh, are hosting on campus, right? And I think that that's a really incredible experience for all involved, right? It's a chance to really sp spread your sport. I think anybody who's been uh, to an on-campus sporting event or been to a college campus, right, you know you're going to get some just random people walking by and yeah. you never know what that might do for them in your sport, That what might increase the popularity. Uh, <clears throat> and so uh, it's us in the Pac-12. Right. And the Pac-12, I think, hosts two, you know, Pac-12 South and North weekends. And and even they, right, when UCLA hosted a few years ago, they did it at two locations. So Southland is really doing something to to continue to push the sport of beach volleyball. Um, and, and I know, as our athletes do, right, when we get to host on campus, like, that's exciting. That's fun. They tell their friends, they tell their professors, hey, come to, come to our matches this weekend. This is going to be really great. And so I think getting to host a big, exciting event that, that is going to have, um, like you said, eight full college programs at it is going to be really cool. And that experience, I think, is something that hopefully once you get through all the logistical piece, right, that's I'm doing it right now with the indoor NCAA tournament, right? Once we get there, right, it's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Right now, I don't see the awesome, but it'll, it'll show up eventually. Yeah, it's one of those things where I want to just make sure everything's ironed out beforehand. That way we're not running into because there's always going to be an issue that comes up the weekend of, but the more issues you can handle ahead of time rather than trying to figure them out at the same time while you're trying to coach, get your team meals, do all that, it'd be much easier just to get all that stuff. So that's why I've almost like put an emphasis on making sure we get everything, you know, the way I think we should have it, you know, to be perfect for everybody. Um, Cause yeah, like, I think it's going to be an awesome event. And I mean, New Orleans has such a big, you know, volleyball scene here. Like the AVP comes here just about every single year. Um, and like last year, it actually fell on the same weekend as our home tournament. That's why we had it on Thursday, Friday, because the AVP was on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that way people that were in town for that event could come watch our events on Thursday and Friday. And then they could go out and watch the AVP events that weekend. And same for our girls, they could go out and watch that high level of play. Um, and yeah, I think that's what having it on campus and, you know, having it in New Orleans is going to do like for our city, just kind of show people like, oh, this is this is what beach volleyball is now like in college that it's not just, Oh, it's like teams for fun where they've got a couple indoor girls coming over and just like having fun with it. Like it's a competitive sport now. And I think with how strong our conference is, I don't see any foresee anybody going undefeated that weekend, just how strong our conference is and how you never know what's going to change from day to day. Um, I said, you're going to see a lot of good volleyball that weekend. I'm super excited to have people come out and watch it. Are you guys planning on playing five courts across at that one? Or are you, you guys doing two waves? Yeah, so it'll be five across um, just for timing-wise because um, we have so many matches to play. Um, so we will be doing five across. If there 
is we'll kind of look at it before the event if there is no like inclement weather showing we do have a schedule kind of planned out where there will be a referee break and during that referee break break our sixes will get to play so there will still be exhibition matches and stuff but yeah for right now the plan is to go five across just to make sure we get all the matches in everything's equal even across the board um and thankfully our courts like i said aren't spaced out like some other places so it's easy even if you're one coach to be able to watch you know five courts at one time um so yeah we'll be doing five across yeah let's start sending the prayers up for good weather that weekend for the entire united states because i think most conferences are going to be hosting their conference weekend the same weekend i, I know sunbelt we're, we're going to be doing one and we're up in huntsville but uh this will be our first sunbelt mid-year tournament to try to get all eight teams playing against each other luckily we're we're not going to do everyone plays everyone at that tournament we're, we're going to spread it out throughout the season um but let, let's just hope for good weather all season why, why why not just that weekend let's go all season yeah but yeah. Avery, say it with me. The Sun Belt are cowards. They don't want to play everybody all in one weekend. Yeah. Scaredy cats. That's, uh, a, that's a lot of I mean, volleyball. I, yeah, I give a lot of credit to Colin, though. I mean, Colin kind of is, I mean, so involved in the beach volleyball world. Like, he saw he saw that you guys were having that tournament, a couple other tournaments like that weekend. It's like, hey, let's move it to the fifth weekend because we used to have ours on the third weekend. And it's like, yeah, like, hey, everybody else is doing their conference roundups that weekend. It's going to be hard for us either to fill our tournaments or find tournaments to go to, like, all in the southeastern region that weekend. So why don't we just host all, ours that weekend? Everybody unanimously said in our conference, like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it that weekend. So, hey, everybody's playing, like, conference schedules that weekend, so we don't have to, like, try and go find a tournament or beg people to come play in ours. Seriously, yeah. Colin is a wealth of volleyball knowledge, not just short-term, but long-term. So if anyone listening to this needs to know anything about volleyball or any school out there, contact Colin. He'll be able to give you that answer. Yeah, that ad was uh, sponsored and approved by Colin Wilson in the campaign for Colin Wilson. Uh, no, yeah, He probably already has it. his 2025 season uh, schedule already done. I wish you would know because it's on the document, right? I want to make that note. If there's any coaches out there that want to be a part of a scheduling doc, um, you know, we have a nice large one that anybody's welcome to be part of. I think we're getting off on, on a, too much of a tangent. You know, I can toot my own horn for another hour. But, uh, Avery, what is the things that we should be looking out for from UNO and, and your program going forward, right? We've talked a little bit about the growth being beach only. Uh, I think we've touched a little bit on, you know, you – taking on that interim head coaching role, what, what should we be looking for? What's coming next? Um, I think for us, it's when teams play us, they're not going to know what team they're getting every day and not like in a bad way, but that our team is going to be, you know, just multiple, like on all different fronts, like offensively and defensively. And I think I said having all of our courts now to be able to practice and run a bunch of different things all at one time where everybody can get reps doing it. Um, Cause I think when you try and implement new things, you always want to get reps and do it more and more. And when we used to only have two courts, it was like really hard to like get people rotating and doing things consistently, like on the court where you could like really hone in on certain skills, whether it be offensive, offensive or defensive. Um, and I think that's just one thing that our, our team's going to keep doing is that you're, it's going to be really hard for teams to kind of pick out, hey, what offense are they running today? Hey, what defense are they running today? Because our girls are just kind of picking up everything. Um, and that's kind of been always my thing is to have my coaches or my girls be like coaches on the court. Like I don't even have to be on their court for them to know what I would say to them in that moment. Um, like we almost do time timeout training too, like where they know like, hey, this is a situation like Avery would have wanted us to call a timeout because um, I'm of the belief you should never lose a set and still be holding on to your timeout. 
Like there was some point in that set that you could have paused it, maybe froze their server. Maybe it doesn't work, but at least try something. It's another one of just like little strategy things that, you know, our girls complete can be implementing into a game and, you know, thinking like a coach out on the court. Yeah, for sure. And with, with your team, like you, you've definitely seen the rise, like Colin has said, what about this season coming up? What, what, what are the goals for your team in this season? Um, I wanted to schedule a little bit more difficult this season than we had in years past. Um, I mean, some of that's just you can't pick tournaments, but I was very like meticulous with like asking people at tournaments before I committed to any like, hey, who do you guys have coming to yours? Um, so trying to get a few more games uh, against teams that are like ranked maybe in the lower half of the top 20, because in the past we played like TCU, we played LSU, Florida State, like all those schools. It's really hard to go in and beat those at three pairs. Um, versus some of the schools like towards the bottom, it's I think more reasonable for us to kind of go in and be competitive against those teams now. As I said, two years ago we did against Tulane, but then we backed it up with not really a difficult schedule the rest of the season. So we didn't really get a chance for our girls to kind of maintain that that high level and keep that up. So uh, that was my biggest thing with scheduling this year is like to give ourselves more of a comp more competition more consistently um that way when it comes to the conference tournament and stuff it just feels like another match like we don't even have to put extra pressure on it it just feels like another one of the matches that we've been playing in the season um because i think we're in a really good position before i think the sport's about to blow up with a lot more schools coming in that to get ourselves to get our name clearly at the top of the sport um while we have the chance um and i think the best way to do that is like i said scheduling competitive and then beating those teams and the more opportunities you get against those teams the more chances you have to win so that's really what i wanted for our team this year is to schedule a lot tougher um just so we can be considered one of those great teams yeah, yeah. michael how many times did he schedule you guys uh, we, we weren't on him at all, except for one time at LSU. What? So he's avoiding us because we must not be one of those good teams. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I could have assumed. I, Avery, I think we're playing you like four times this year. So I could only I mean, that's, assume. That's inevitable. You know, I mean, no matter what we do with our schedules, we can go fly out to California and those two teams would be like, oh, yeah, by the way, you guys are playing each other. Uh, I, I mean, I was 100% prepared for that. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, and, and nothing against you guys. I mean, you guys, we just play you guys so much. I'm like, Hey, I want to play somebody different for once. Um, I mean, I think Michael, like last year we played you guys like four times or uh -huh. the year before it was like four times. And, and we only play eight weekends. It's like half the season. We see you guys at a tournament. It's like, <laughs> I mean, and then we see you guys in the fall. And it's like, you know, I just want a year where we, maybe we play somebody different. And like, if we're not playing you guys, it means you're also playing somebody different. Um, Cause that's what I think I want more for this sport too, is a little bit more, just like everybody playing everybody um and that's what i really hope we see a little bit of a change of with the pairs championship um because like the pairs championship of our eight matches six of them were against east coast schools um including like our entire pool was east coast schools um as well as we played a match against Tulane, which i mean you can't really figure that out once you get into bracket play but i'd much rather play a couple more of those west coast schools that we don't see as often and stuff um so that's what i wanted to do with our schedule is even though we're not traveling maybe as far as we've done in the past or like we're not going out to the west coast like asking tournaments like hey who do you guys have coming in that's maybe somebody that we haven't seen in you know two three years at a tournament yeah i think with scheduling i want to give myself a pat on the back because i'm pretty sure i don't we only see one team twice this season out of all 32 games we're only playing one team two times and that's missouri state when we go there and then they come here um but Dude, I, that's a that's a win right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, Avery, I was just giving you garbage about playing us a bunch of times, but anybody who's done beach volleyball scheduling knows to get a good schedule filled with different competition is one of the most challenging things 
on the planet. And I'm, I'm grateful for a conference regular season because then it means like, I'm not trying to just go find those teams, right? I get to, okay, Hey, we can actually work really hard. Uh, I have this consistent matchup base. So now let me go find some other things. So it's pretty awesome. Michael, big dub by you. Thank you. Thank you. I I think Avery, our, our last question, you've kind of already gotten into it with the growth of the game and all that. And, um, I, before I ask you this question, I, I saw something very interesting on social media with the, the indoor volleyball uh, going into their tournament. They they put out their last top 25 seedings, and I was looking at the top 20 schools in the nation for indoor volleyball. There are only two mid-major schools, so two schools not involved with a Power 5 conference that are in that top 20. And then I went back and looked at... Uh, Last April, the very last ranking that came out from the ABCA for the beach, and there are seven uh, programs that are not associated with the Power Five conference that were in the top twenty for beach volleyball. So when you talk about the growth of the game for any mid-major, like why would you not want to get involved right now when you can be at the top of a game and you know start the curve early instead of playing catch up to these schools that are just resource driven and they just have it coming out of every which way. Um, but what else would you like to see from the NCAA beach volleyball game? Well, one social media, I, I know why they kind of did it at the start, but I'd love to see just our own NCAA beach volleyball play, page, like on Twitter and all social media is like getting roped in with like indoor volleyball. It kind of just, it kind of dilutes everything where it's hard for people to kind of separate the two. And we are separate sports now. Like I think, there's very few programs in the country that still have like combined, you know, indoor and beach programs, at least of the ones that are being successful and really wanting to push that forward. Um, so I think, you know, separating it on the social media side, I think is just one because today's age of social media, I know that's where girls are all the time. So um, I, I want people that, like our girls that are in our sport or like coming up in the sport to kind of be able to see the difference. Um, next, I would say other thing is, I mean, there's really no like big way to, you know, broadcast it out. Um, but like having more indoor girls know that they're like opportunities, what they are in beach. Um, I think there have been girls like Kristen, they got lucky, like with LSU kind of, you know, growing their program. Like she was a super athlete, like in indoor and a bunch of other sports, but like she finally had somewhere. Um, so I think just more uh, like visibility for our sports, um, for indoor girls, um, hopefully uh, a little less on maybe like the club side of like people like forcing them into like playing indoor club year round and stuff like that, where they kind of just get a break on their bodies. Cause I think we all know like landing in the sand is a lot better than landing on the hard court. Um, so one, I think it's better for players health because so many players get injured when they're constantly playing on the hard court year round. So I think the beach always helps that. Um, and I mean, I think our athletes are some of the best on campus, at least here at UNO. Um, we, verticals are great like endurance everything because of just like being in the sand and who they are um and i think getting this sport to a level where we can have more girls that are coming over from the indoor side um because there are only so many spots that you're going to get to play like an indoor and everything um and the transfer portal is huge um and everything but even then like there have been girls that have reached out to me they're like hey i'm in the transfer portal but there's indoor or their compliance person only put them down as indoor transfer when they want to transfer for beach or they want to transfer for both. And just like things like that, that getting more of those indoor girls over into our sport, um, not trying to steal people from indoor, but like, you know, we're the ones that maybe not playing as much or the ones that can do both. 
Um, like I said, I think it's just only going to make our sport better with better athletes um, because there are so many of them. And I think once we kind of divide that talent out amongst everybody too, that just makes the whole game better versus the few true beach players are all at the big schools. And that's why they're clearly the best. I mean, they have like the best beach players out there. Um, but I think there's more, you know, beach talent out there. And we've seen that over the last couple of years with like girls coming over from indoor. I mean, Kylie DeBerg, I think is the best example. I mean, she came over being all, all American in Missouri, came over, played indoor at LSU, and then, you know, hops out to the beach with never really doing it before. And then last year she wins the Paris championship. Um, is it like she was an indoor talent that, had she not come to LSU, like she wouldn't have had that opportunity at Missouri. Um, and I think just getting more girls from like the indoor game and taking that athleticism and bringing it out to the sand is not only going to make, you know, each of us better, but it's going to make the sport, you know, more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see, uh, I wonder if we'll see that growth uh, in the, or the resurgence, I should say, not even growth, but resurgence of the, the indoor grad transfer. I remember when I first got started, right. There was one of those every, every year, uh, you know, we had, Obviously, Kylie DeBerg, uh, Taryn Cloth, uh, Haley Nelson was an. Uh, these are all just LSU grad transfers. Yeah. Let alone, you probably worked with a couple of them. I, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. We probably, uh, probably cross paths, right? But you know, Kim, with that COVID year, right? They all got a fifth. I wonder if we'll kind yeah. of see that coming back now that that fifth year of indoor is no longer an option. Yeah, because I think all of. I think a lot of them that they maybe don't realize is that their calendars even extended to six years. So they, if they wanted to, like they finished their degrees that maybe they extended into a fourth and a half year, their undergrad. Well, now they can play beach this spring, be in school next fall and play beach next spring. And in those three semesters, you can get a master's program done versus other places you, you know, do your fifth year, but then your last two semesters you have to pay for on your own because you can't play anymore because you're out of eligibility versus with this COVID kind of senior situation like these girls, I don't think many of them recognize that they have that situation or even girls that even without the COVID year, they graduate in three and a half years that they come out to the beach their fourth year spring and then play their fifth year. Like I said, that's three semesters. They can be in school doing beach, you know, getting scholarship money, like helping them pay for school and getting a master's program. Um, I said, cause that's my biggest thing is like getting my girls out of here with degrees. So like we have one of our transfers that came in this year, we have a really great plan for her that she's going to, when she graduates next year, she'll graduate with her undergraduate and masters all in this two years that she's here. Um, and as much as I love like the sport and everything, that's what's, you know, the bigger picture for our girls after here. Um, so that's where I think it's a, a perfect world for everybody too. It's like girls can go out there, they can get master's degrees and they can get two seasons of beach volleyball versus like having to just come in in January and try and figure out the sport. They don't know what's going on. They can get here in January, have a season to kind of get underneath them, you know, do a full fall and then do a spring. I mean, that's what happened with Taryn. Like she started obviously COVID hitting everything or her first season, you know, playing then second season COVID stops it. But then she comes back playing with Kristen because she had that whole extra year to finally get into the beach game and be fully into it. I mean, now she's crushing it. Um, and I think just a lot more girls, as you kind of see that, I said, Kylie was the same thing. She came out that first year was playing in their twos pair doing really well. But then her second year, even that fall, she won, wins the Paris championship. So like just getting people more time. I know we talked about it like with my team and their growth, but just getting more time on the court and more time with coaches, I think it's just only going to make the players better and the sport better. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that exposure is going to be huge for our sport because we have a great sport on our hands. But um, Avery, thank you for jumping on and talking with us. I, I cannot wait to get to play you guys again this year. I, I've always had 
a lot of fun in our competitions. I think every single one of them has come to a 3-2 finish, whether it be your way or our way. Um, so it's always an exciting time to get to play it. So good luck this season and can't wait to see you soon. Yeah, yeah. Every time we play you guys, it's three two, and it's always different pairs that win and lose. It's it's three two. I we can't fight it. We just know it's going to be a three two yep. and come down to it. So, Colin, awesome. you guys, same thing. Every time we play, it just seems like there's a three two. Like comes down to it, and I said that's why you know I enjoy chatting with you guys, like playing you guys in the fall. I mean, we all have great teams, and I think we're all trying to do the same thing and grow our sport. Yeah, Avery, can't wait to play you, and, and best of luck to everybody at UNO. Um, except for obviously the, the few times that we're going to have to duke it out with you. We hope to see you in the conference finals. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on Coaches on the Beach and, and overall, you know, helping grow our game and, and be a good person for it. All right. Appreciate it, guys.